It's 4 o'clock, 92.3, your number one family radio. Always know this. Having somewhere to go is home. Having someone to love is family. And having both is a blessing. Inspiration. Inspiration. 92.3 FM. Lagos is one of the fastest growing cities in the world and the fifth largest economy in Africa. The city is growing so fast that censuses can't keep up. Lagos stands for rapid urbanization, but the city is faced with numerous challenges that comes with urbanization. Join us in the conversation on Rethinking Lagos show as we speak with policymakers, researchers, and politicians to address issues such as mobility, climate change, waste, housing, energy, and urban planning every Thursday by 4 p.m. on Inspiration and 2.3. This program is brought to you by Rethinking Cities in collaboration with Eric Boris Stifcon. Thank you so much indeed for joining us again. It's another Thursday evening right here in the city of Lagos. Welcome to Rethinking Lagos, 192.3 Inspiration FM. And um, DG Akinkwelu is in the studio uh, again this evening. DG, ah. good evening to you. Welcome. Good evening. It's nice to be back here. Um, and the, Lagos, the city of Lagos is buzzing as usual, and uh, we are here to talk about Lagos again. Mm. Uh, so just to get the, it's been some weeks now that we've been on this, and uh, we are glad to have in the studio today um, one of the governorship aspirants um, contesting on the the lab as the Labour Party governorship candidate, uh, Badibo Vivo Road. Um, is here. I mean, it's not actually his first time here on this program. He was here like about three years ago. Yes. Yeah, I think he was. You were contest. Were you contesting then? Yes. I, I think I was contesting for senate. Oh, he was contesting for senate. So we've been talking. We've been saying a whole lot about the city of Lagos, from transportation to waste management, housing, and I think it would be a very big opportunity for us to hear from one of the aspirants to tell us what exactly they are thinking in the in solving the issues um, around the city of Lagos. Of course, we need to move the city forward and um, do do much more you know so we hope to have other aspirants also come on the show but today is for grv so <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome grv good to be here always good to be here thank you for coming and uh, we can see our lagos yeah yeah <laughs> it has to be our lagos it's our own it doesn't yeah. belong to any one person wow uh that that's a big talk really uh so as um the Lagos State governorship race, it's, it's already on. You know, people are jostling for it right now. People are talking, you know, 
it's time for the people to ask questions yeah. because that's one thing that uh, has been lacking in our polity. People don't actually ask questions. You know, they just let's take it as it is. And as the days come, and they take it like that. But it's your turn to ask questions right now uh, in terms of transportation, waste management, uh, flooding. The entire nation is dealing with it. And Lagos is one of the flood-prone areas. Uh, housing, we've been talking about housing for some two, three weeks on the program now. Uh, the issue of law enforcement, this one concerns everybody. And of course, the fact that Lagos is supposed to be, or is it, a mega city, uh, the mega city project in this town and all of that. Slum development and then water. Uh, people are asking questions, where's the water uh, in Lagos? So our numbers are 0700 923 923 923 studio lines you can call 0700 923 923 923 or you can send us a message on whatsapp 0817 313 that's uh, how you can reach us here in the studio and ask your questions uh, because the man we have here might just be uh, your governor from 2023 may he might if he wins he is going to be my worst grace when i win <laughs> <laughs> i think i think let's, let's really get to who is actually badibor vivo roads well um my name is badibor roads vivo oh, <laughs> sorry um i'm an architect by profession i'm a politician by passion and interesting that my architecture has always been focused on sustainability it's always been one that it's all that one used to solve problems and to social engineer because people don't really understand that the built environment actually really determines how a lot of people behave i'm sure you're familiar with the ghetto projects in america and what that did for social consciousness of the people that they put there but that's just on the side um i contested for senate in 2019 i had the most opposition votes in the state after article abubakar and aside from that that experience really puts me at the forefront of understanding the, the things that people are dealing with across 10 local governments in Lagos State, you know, and it's good because it had the extremes. It was Kedja all the way to Badagri. So he had the Kedja flavor, he had going into Ojo, Amo, and then Badagri. And to understand where government presence is and where government presence is lacking. Um, aside from that, I, ran, I got into politics from the um activities that involved fighting the government or going in the struggle with the government against the policy genetic modified foods that we're trying to bring into the country and i dedicated about two two three years of my life to that culminated in a uh in a 2000-man march on the senate <laughs> and in the way the senators addressed the issue i felt that it's important that we have politicians that have empathy in charge that actually understand and put the interests of people before the interests of their pockets and because you see government determines so much in your life and unfortunately so many people leave politics to just politicians when their decisions can literally ruin a nation right regardless of what you are doing you can be doing your business you're doing everything legally you're good but the value of your money is literally depreciating because of bad policies that are being made by government so Government is very important. Everybody knows what Plato said. If you're not involved, you'll be ruled by people that are less than you. So we all need to get involved. So 
um, I'm a Lagosian from uh, an Aboriginal family in Lagos and also I have mixed parentage in the southeast as well so that also gives me this way of seeing things as quite different and gives me a southern Nigerian perspective um, and I think that also ties into empathy as well for different groups of people that are looking for equity and justice in Lagos State. Mm. So, so why why do you why are you running for the office of the governor? I believe that Lagos State has come to it, it has plateaued a long time ago in terms of the you know there's there's this celebration of IGR that has been increased and that's really the triumph song of the current APC government that they came in at this point and they increased the IGR to a certain point. I feel that now it's time for development by, you know, human development, investing in human capacity development, investing in in urban renewal projects that actually benefit people's lives. You know, there's too much of the same of the same. People, year after year, they are sitting in four hours traffic, right? There's no water being supplied to them. Their areas are flooding every year. It's the same thing over and over again. And it's time to actually move Lagos forward, truly move Lagos forward. And that's why I'm running. Mm. Uh, and what we'll be wondering, if you had that kind of dream, uh, why why you not in the mainstream political parties? As in, who's going to take you seriously on the platform of the Labour Party? And you're going to be swimming against a very rough tide mm. of an incumbent APC governor, governor in Lagos. Well, you see, for me, I've always advocated for a different type of politics. I think the current state of politics that has been done in Nigeria for a long time is actually what is keeping Nigeria back because it only allows the emergence of rulers that will rule over you, that are not accountable to you. We need a situation where a politics creates servant leaders. And that is what the obedient movement is doing. And that's what the Labour Party is doing. Um, and I've always advocated that people that believe in dignity of labour, people that get up to work, people that they come out on their election, 500 now, 1,000 now, will not sway them. These are the guardians of democracy. And unfortunately, they've not risen to their responsibility. But that is happening now. We have people mobilising themselves without being mobilised. We have a whole bunch of people that organizing themselves directly to the polling unit they've they've left they, they are leading the way in relation to normally like i said people leave politics to politicians now the people are actually determining the direction that the politics is going so for me it's a very exciting time it's a time where if you don't see what is coming well you'll find out right so i'm, I'm not the when you look at legal state you talk about this formidable foe they barely turn out 1 million votes out of 6 point something million registered voters. Now, that those that number has increased about 7 million. So, you have 80% of that number sitting at home. That's with all the structure, with all the money, with everything that you describe and think that they have. right? And that also comes with a lot of voter suppression because I know that you saw what happened in Oshodi in 2019. You might be familiar with what happened at Jeremy Feludo. Right? A lot of voter suppression. So, that... that that lets you know that there's a whole bunch of people that when they set, get up and they say they're going to participate in elections, you cannot rig that election. And you actually realize that there's a sleeping silent majority that the right candidate is going to wake up and bring to the ballot. So for me, my entire campaigning advocacy for the past couple of years has been 
trying to change the voter demography. It's not enough for our destinies to be determined by people that just come every four years to harvest money from their voters' cards. And we call it grassroots. What about all the people that are working and paying taxes? They should have a say in the governance that happens in their, con- in their state. Right? And that is what we're trying to do with the movement and the Labour Party. Mm. So, so let's get to these key areas. Uh, for everybody who is in Lagos, they'll be concerned about these key areas. And if anybody's trying to woo the Lagos people for their votes, uh, he should be addressing these Most areas. Yeah. So let's start with transportation yes. uh, in Lagos today. I yes. mean, uh, you want to be governor. Yes. How would you describe the system? What is wrong with it? And what would you do differently if you ever get there? Yeah, so it's on different levels. You, you can start from the first level of transparency and accountability to ensure that you have enough infrastructure. The World Bank has a benchmark of what it should cost to do a road in Lagos State. You need to meet that benchmark. Currently and for a long time, Lagos State has been operating at times four of that benchmark. So just ensuring that the little resources you have you're maximizing it. In fact, you're even doing better than that. You're achieving economies of scale and even getting lower than the World Bank benchmark but maintaining high quality. So that's in terms of creating um, a significant amount of, adding a significant amount of infrastructure. The second thing is to ensure that we have benchmarks to the quality of the roads that we're doing so that we're not involved in these cyclical scams where people come and do your road and then after six months it's washed away then in my weeks a year come and do the road again and nobody's held accountable for that right so there must be benchmarks and contractors will be held accountable for not making sh- for that road's um life lifespan another area that we need to look at is truly look at mass transit because the BRT buses, as nice as they are and as fine as they are, they're barely taking 10% of the population. They're barely moving 10% of the population. 40% of the population is moved by downfall buses and walking. And then about another 17 to 20% moved by people with private cars. We need a situation where we can move large amounts of people by mass transit, right? And you find that Lagos State has been working on this train transport system for almost um, 13 years now. And they've barely been able to do 12 kilometers of rail when they actually were supposed to do 130 kilometers. That was their plan. And I've sat down with infrastructure development companies, you know, financiers that tell me that they've gone to meet the government and propose to do these things, but they were always rebuffed because they were not able to meet the requirements that they give them. Right? So we're going to open up that sector and ensure that we enable private sector participation to do that. And then finally, we need to embrace the water. We need to embrace the water. We need to ensure that our water bodies are significantly dredged, embankments, proper embankments are properly built, and then we can now start having mass transit by water. So that is also even reducing the potential for, um, what's it called, boats capsizing and all the worry that people have by using uh, water transportation. And even more than that, it starts to reduce the kind of flooding. I'm sure you might be aware of what's happening in Sherry now. Mm. Right? The, the, um, the Ogun River is already pushing people out of their houses. People are moving out of their houses in GRA, in Sherry, in that area. Right? And this is also happening in other parts around Lagos, in Ikorodua as well. So, judging our waters properly, ensuring that we can now use that as a transportation, um, proper transportation network, will have all these multiplier effects. Mm. 
In case you're just joining, this is Rethinking Lagos uh, on 92.3 Inspiration FM. Captain Smart is my name. Deja Kingpelu is here. And we have the Labour Party governorship candidate in Lagos, Gwadibo Rose Vivo, with us in the studio. Studio lines 0700 923-923-923-0700-923-923-923 or you can just send us a message on WhatsApp 0817-313-6193 if you want to to ask questions or you want clarifications or you just want to talk to uh, guests in the studio this uh, evening you're very free to do that so JRV let's go to another aspect in this city that uh, is of huge concern to uh, the residents here yeah that's the issue of waste management oh yeah and then flooding we're yes. going to talk about this yeah. too because some persons have continued to link uh our, our lack of uh, discipline in waste management to flooding in the city uh today although we've been trying to separate both of them recently the the government came up with some initiative they said look we want to keep the city cleaner than it is right now uh, they put out some things. People have to get this with disposal cans and all of that. And the immediate response was, "This is too expensive." Exactly. Uh, and all of that. But the government said, "Look, from January, we will have to take defaulters to court and maybe put them behind bars if they don't uh, comply with that." Yeah. Uh, talk to us about the waste uh, management system in Lagos and uh, how that uh, can be made better uh, by your administration if you win. Okay, so I will not separate waste management and um, flooding, right? I, I think that there are aspects where they interlink, right? Um, for me, you see, this policy that you just talked about, unfortunately, you find that a lot of policies always reek of a sort, a certain sort of the government's trying to make money of the people. It's another scheme to make money of the people, as opposed to having an all-inclusive sort of system that allows for people to even benefit from behaving properly with their waste with their waste and disposing of it um when i was at mit my thesis was actually on formalizing the informal then there was it was a lot of waste pickers informal people would go around pick your waste and and that still exists in parts of lagos because psp lagos is still very underserved in terms of psps but for me my waste management system will be separating waste directly from the household right Empowering the local governments also benefit directly from that because we are wasting waste in Lagos State. I say aside from our human capacity that we have in Lagos State in terms of people that are entrepreneurs and doing businesses and paying taxes, the amount of waste we generate in such a small footprint and, you know, because of that proximity, there's so much waste that is produced. And if we are recycling, if we are upcycling, if we are converting these things, a lot of resources that can come out of this. And instead, we're just landfilling it. Right, which I feel is extremely inefficient. I want a situation where we'll partner and work with people and stakeholders in different local governments to ensure that their waste is separated from home. And by the time you're doing that, there's a different route for organic waste, there's a different route for plastic waste, there's a different route for paper waste and other, th- other recyclables. Now, the idea is, based on how much a local government can generate value, that value ties goes back into the local government that should be allow it to finance different things that they want to do and that ties also into local government autonomy to allow them to actually start to make sensible income and incentivizing them to actually do proper governance right so for me waste management is extremely important and it should be looked at as a situation where we are generating wealth from waste 
and that would allow us to treat it a lot more seriously as opposed to just sand filling not sand filling sorry land filling the waste um now that then also ties into how our gutters are filled with all of these things now if people local governments actually see that there's a lot of resources that are coming to them based on them engaging not just the private sector the people that are producing the waste and other stakeholders to actually properly recycle and use these things then they can start to enforce and put in place situations where you can no longer just dump things because now they see it as something that is valuable and there's a system that directly allows for payments to be made to them so in that way we now have a situation where at the primary level of water collection and water and movement of water they are no longer having waste dumped in those places and also we need to cover our gutters we need to actually have our gutters properly mapped out and we actually have to take that seriously most of our gutters in lagos are just flat they're not on any gradient right and that's why you just see water being stagnant there and then at the secondary level where they are collating and everything in the canals you find that there's been a lot of wetlands that have been in discriminatory sand field you have a lot of buildings that have been built over canals so water is literally trapped in the city so there must be a mapping out of this drainage system the primary the secondary and tertiary systems of getting water out of the city and we must ensure that like i've already covered the waste thing but we must ensure that it then becomes a sophisticated system where we expect a certain amount of rainfall right and we can plan for it because we also have mechanical pumps that are pumping water out at the tertiary level right and we also have a wetland protection plan that ensures that we have because wetlands are natural the natural gutters of the land right and when you just sand fill and build on it you're literally taking away those your natural gutters and then creating flooding in people's houses so that then also ties into the dredging of all our waterways which i've talked about in terms of transportation we must ensure that they are properly dredged so that you see what is happening now with the dam being open, the Osho dam being open, and then it starts to flooding and all of that. If we are dredging properly, there will be more space to be able to take these waters, right? And we need a mechanical system that's also pumping this water out, right? So it should not just be, oh, climate change, rain is falling, the rain will eventually go away. No, there's so many people that lose so much properties. As many people that their businesses don't work anymore. So many people are affected by this. I'm sure you've seen the video of um, water carrying somebody in their car and people dying. Mm. These are things that should be avoided. Mm. Um, So that is, in summary, a structural plan for drainage and waste. Mm. Rethinking Lagos on 92.3 Inspiration FM. Join us on the telephone now, 0700-923-923-923. That's 0700 923-923-923 923-923-923 or you can send us a message on whatsapp 0817-313-6193 uh the guest in the studio here this evening is uh Gadibor Rhodes Vivo and uh, he's vying for the office of the governor of Lagos State in the 2023 uh governorship election I'm sure uh you should uh, be itching to ask mm-hmm. him one or two questions uh as he he goes on really and he's uh, contesting on the platform of uh, the Labour Party. So, Javi, one of the issues uh, in Lagos uh, is housing. Yes. Uh, because people just point to the city uh, without a plan of where to live. Uh, people just come in all manner of, you know, some people come in open trucks, uh, some come in luxurious buses and all of that. Many of them don't have 
homes. They don't have people here. You know, many times people have called us on the radio and they said, I just came here, you know, trying to uh, look hustle, you know, to make ends meet. I'm stranded. The people just come like that. The, the housing uh, deficit here is, is alarming, really. Phenomenal. Very, very alarming. And that will also create some security issues and yes, all of that. Uh, we'll talk to you about that after we've spoken to this caller. Hello. Good evening to you. Good evening, Captain Smart. This is Patrick from Ecosin. Welcome, sir. What's your name and where are you calling us from? Patrick from Ecosin. Patrick, welcome. Good, good afternoon, Mr. Bible. Good afternoon. I've, I've listened to your speech and all that. God help you. Patrick, w- would you please help us to speak up a little louder? We're struggling to hear you. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's better now. Yeah, it's better now. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. As the governor, as the governor of Lagos State. Mm. Thank you so much. A papa, <laughs> the papa issue. Uh, it's a major yeah. one. It's mm. a really major one because you know, um, when 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 a papa and these ports were built, they were mainly built for export, not so much import, right? And now we have a situation where we are import dependent, and eight out of ten containers are coming to Lagos. Are leaving empty so literally there should be a time lag between when a container comes into lagos it it um discharges its goods that container should be going to go and be filled up before it comes back to the port but unfortunately because of how unproductive our economy is they're literally discharging their goods and they're coming right back to the port so it's creating a lot of um pressure on infrastructure now there's the etro system that they put in place that they tried to make to work. Unfortunately, it has failed. There's the human factor that comes in where a number of people, stakeholders, feel that they're not carried along and they also then jeopardize it, right? And that's... For, so for some time, it worked. But for me, again, the solution to it is technology and innovation. But you have to do this in partnership with all the stakeholders. You have tank farms that are there that don't have parking for their... Um, tankers, right? You have situations where people are paying bribes to have to bypass the whole call-up system, right? So enforcement is key. Stakeholder, working closely with the stakeholders is also key. And also ensuring that that technology is not done at a price that is so expensive that makes people want to work around it. And then enforcement, right? We must ensure that once we set up this system and all the stakeholders have been carried along, anybody that tries to jeopardize it or compromise it, they'll face the wrath of the law. Mm. And now that they brought that up, the issue of touting in yes. Lagos, you know, is like that's the headquarters of touting. People it said, is. look, for us to get our, our trucks, you know, to that's and from major, that, major problem. they spend hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I was listening to some of them talk on the radio. They said, look, it's a lot of money. So much. Uh, so people are being even robbed yes. you know this is no longer extortion people are now being dispossessed of their monies yes. of of their valuables you know just because they came to the state to do business yes. and if you look all around the state you see touts everywhere you know 
I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes people don't want to talk about this. Yes. So, this is going to be a huge problem a that is going to be facing administration if you get there. And it ties into so many things. It ties into the bus drivers that want to go on a protest mm. um, next week. Yeah. Because they are complaining that they are, they are being, like you said, they are being robbed. Right? They feel that they are doing all the work, driving up and down the place, and people are just shaking them down and taking money from them. And even another thing that is did not mention with with their papa situations and show that the roads are good you know they've done some work with some roads coming from that um access that i believe is a, a jora access coming in but the other part is still under construction which is still very problematic but the roads must be good because this is these are roads that are actually the nerve the nerve centers in this commercial city that's allowing for a lot of transportation to happen and a lot of movement of goods to happen Another thing, as governor, one must be pushing for opening of other ports in other states because the opportunity cost to the people that live in Lagos State is really, really high. And you know that the funds that are generated by the MPA, Lagos State is not getting any special status for it, right? So we're taking all the pressures, but we're not getting any of these profits. So we must also be pushing for these pressures to be, you know, decentralized and to go to, and for other ports to be open across um, parts of Nigeria that have the capacity for it. But back to your first question, which is about the Taos situation in Lagos State. You see, what I've come to find is that they have the faith and the belief that they can do what they want because they are backed by the state. They work hand in hand with the state, from the unions that are collecting money from uh, motorists to just general unions, gen- people or towns that are used by politicians during elections, that is where they get their backing. That's do, you, do you have any towns you're using? I don't have any towns. So. Are you a politician? I'm a different type of politician. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a different type of politician. So, but what, the first step is this. You get into position, we form our government, we aim to deliver good governance. So we do not believe that we will need to suppress any votes or put any people down. So already that job description is pushed out of Lagos. Then we need to create an alternative means for people to earn a living. And this must be done in concert with them. It's not something we'll sit down in Alauso or Marina and just fashion out. We're going to meet with them, engage them. These are skills that can potentially be thought. What are you interested in? And all of these things are also peculiar to the different local governments. For instance, I will say that Ekpe, Ikorodu, these are places that we should be pushing the aquaculture industry. We should be extending the value chain significantly. And anybody that's living there, is resident there, we should be giving them skills to actually be able to get involved in that industry. If you look at Badagri, there's that road that is a federal road. But if you think about how much can actually be gotten from opening that place up and creating a tourist haven, you then see that the state can actually make a lot of money from it and should invest in it. And in that regard, there's so many things. Tourism... There's so many industries that can be built there that I can actually equip people that are domiciled there with those skills. So for me, it's about going into different local governments, understanding their peculiarities, and extending value chains and incentivizing companies and people to come and invest there. So we decentralize the development of Lagos because at the moment it's too centralized. And that's why you have people sitting there in four hours traffic every day. Mm. Ah, this is a. Lagos has, I'm sure, there will be they'll be wishing that this actually happens. And some of them may be saying, uh, are you just saying this, you know, just to sound good, you know, pre-election? And maybe when you get there, you now dance to the tune 
Of who? The, yeah, of these uh, same people because they, they seem to they seem to be they no, seem no, to no, be no, 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 recklessly see, in no, charge. You, no, no. See, that's the wonderful thing you cannot say to me. Mm. When I say dance to the tune, the question is of who. In Labour Party, there is nobody to dance to the tune of. We do not have any baggage or any chains that can pull me to say no. You must pay this money to Alpha Better, or you must pay these prices to whatever private interest. We don't have that. You are going to have a governor that is free to work for the people. Well, <laughs> we don't so, want to actually go into any so private interest. So, the we're going to be doing um, in, in terms of um, housing, uh, we've seen quite a number of housing projects in the city of Lagos, but uh, the housing deficit is still very much on the on the I high side. side. Uh, how how willing really, or how much? How do you plan to try and solve this problem? So, accommodation is a very very big problem. Um, for me, there are multiple ways of looking at it. One, we have to b- actively build huge amounts of housing that will be affordable to a multiple group of people. Because the idea of affordable housing is like affordable to who? Affordable to who? Who's, which salary bracket? So a multiple group of people. And do a program that truly is open and transparent. And like I said, Transparency and accountability is the spirit of my government. So if we're building affordable housing, we need to ensure that the distribution of it is a transparent one, is a lottery, is one that you are a taxpayer member of Lagos State, you belong to the Commonwealth of Lagos, so these are the benefits that you have. You are able to access housing stock, right? And there's a lottery process that's transparent that allows you to have access to it, and you cannot go and resell it on the market. The government, you can only sell it back to the government to make it available for people that actually need it. That's the first thing. The second thing is the type of units that we're building. Unfortunately, in Nigeria, we always build these excessive, we overstructure our buildings. I'm an architect, so um, coming from that field, we, we overstructure our buildings, right? It's almost as though we don't want to be innovative or creative enough, so we just build in a way that we're sure the building will not fail. But we need to look at Japan, for instance, that has capsule housing and capsule typologies where you have a space to sleep and to work. Because there are people that are bankers or banker shares that work in JR and uh, VI that are living on the beach in a shack, right? And this is not the way it's supposed to be. The government is supposed to be able to look and say, okay, even to reduce traffic, let's create a system where people can have a place to stay at an affordable price and they can pay when they get their salary on a monthly basis and they can live close to work and that reduces traffic right and also takes care of the housing situation that's it that's the second thing the third thing is to ensure that we have a situation where we can cross finance so you find that lagos and developers are always very excited about doing these big luxurious buildings that they're charging the millions for Whatever funds is coming to the government from that, they should be putting that in a social housing fund. Because majority of people in Lagos cannot afford to live in Echo Atlantic, cannot afford to live in Bordelon. Right? So there must be a social housing fund. And you look at the example of um, how um, Raj Jakonde was able to make sure that so many people got access to affordable housing. Right? He, 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 he reduced the price of land in terms of the value of it in relation to setting the price for it or setting the barrier to entry for it right and these are things that governments must actively try to do we must ensure that these funds are put towards and even partnering as well with developers and giving them tax incentives like if 
for instance, as an architect in, in the United Kingdom, when I was working, no matter how luxurious your apartment building is that you want to do, there must be affordable units in those in that building for it to get planning pr- permission. Right? So they want an inclusive society, not one that um, separates people. They want an inclusive one. And that's the kind of policies that will be put in, in place. You know, we want a situation where there's a good mix. It's not that, that, that there's a good mix and there's accessibility. Let, let me ask one. Uh, there was a time we were talking about housing and somebody said the problem we have with housing is land. And uh, we've also d- seen this play out in the city of Lagos, uh, land rights. Yes. Uh, we've had uh, issues of forced evictions in the city of Lagos, um, indigenous communities, and uh, they they being forcefully evicted from, from where they are. How do you intend to deal with the issue of um, indigenous communities and their land rights? These people don't have your regular sea of what what will you be doing? So, so you see, this there's this state, uh, this land grab that uh, the government continues to do, and you find that these land grabs are not even being used by the government to develop things for the betterment of people. You just find that it's being converted to private ownership, right? And this must stop, and this must be looked into. You have ancestral lands that have been people's families for hundreds of years just being grabbed. The idea will be formalizing that in a way that makes it accessible, right? You have lived here for a long time. We understand this. We can prove it. Okay, put you on a path to actually having the title for that land, right? And then also partnering with you in whatever development that is going to happen on there. Because a lot of people might not afford, might not be able to afford to do developments in these places but they should have some kind of equity right so that when they are talking to developer they have some paperwork that they can you know establish their claim and set them up set themselves up for some level of equity that also improves lives and it makes people you know um lifts them up that ladder and i think that is that would be the approach to go mm. and uh, maybe one of our final questions here today uh your your plans actually sound very laudable but people have asked, I've, I've been in public fora where people were asking the question, uh, this GRV guy, uh, is, did he set out to actually contest for the office of governor or just because he fell out, you know, out of favor with a certain candidate that pushed him to, to wow. labor? Or he started out from the beginning to oh. say, I want to change Lagos. I want to make Lagos our Lagos. I want to make it livable. I want to make it sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you've already answered the question. <laughs> if I'm campaigning and my logo is our Lagos, that's already lets you know what I'm looking at. And this, I've built this and I've been doing um, voter engagement, voter education for the last three, four years. As soon as I finished my centurion run, I did not go back to I not go to sleep. I started building that because I believed and I still believe that it's until the people that have voters' cards that can turn down five hundred now and one thousand now get involved, Nigeria is not going to move forward. So I engage in a lot of voter education with the our Lagos logo, knowing full well that I was going to run for governor. I was a I, I was a governorial can, um, aspirant in the PDP. I bought my phone, $21.5 million. I'm not, I don't have bullion van money. So that's not Sherry Sherry money. Nobody just does that for the fun of it. And I have a structure that spans the entire state down to world level. And we have been meeting and we've been wearing that structure consistently for years. Right? So 
what happened as you might know in the pdp was a situation where party leaders felt that a ticket could be unbeatable and the fact that i'm young i'm 39 i felt you know what let the person that's older than you be at the top of the ticket you do by the time after eight years you still just be what 47 right so do that and afterwards you can run for governor it's okay and you know when party leaders come at you like that and you know that they are looking out for the interests of the party and your interests as well i agreed and that's the basis so basis on which i withdrew but the next week we start hearing a different story so for me like i said and you, are, you need to understand it that to go from that then to join to another party learn the ropes of that other party understand all the power plays and everything pay another 15 million for your nomination form and contest in a keenly contested free and fair primary that the margin was only nine votes that person is persistent and that person has been focused on actually achieving this dream not just for myself but for you had the structure in the pdp yes the labor party is said to be structureless as in your structure is on social media uh, that, that's what people are saying. That's Some what they're saying. saying. That on social media, most of the people who troop out uh, don't even have voters cards. The election is about the polling. It's about the ballot. It's about the polling. Yeah. Do you think, do you really think that people will go out in Lagos and leave the APC, leave the PDP, and be casting a vote for Labour Party? Do you mm. have people in this state that will you see what happened on October 1st? What happened? Lagos was shook by a whole number of people that came up by themselves without being mobilized. I've been in politics for some time. I've never seen that happen. So that's what we're saying. Do they, do they just they come out for the love of... Yeah. They have voters cards. They are excited to vote. When I was going there, people were shaking me with hope in their eyes and the true belief that Nigeria could be better. And I know that I do not release money or mobilize these people these are not a rented crowd i knew that we are on the verge of changing and creating a new type of politics right so for me we are we have the people and we are bringing them we are mobilizing down to the polling units right and that's what we are doing all through and also remember nlct you see are the fathers of labor party the unions are the father of labor party so these are all groups and structures that are also coming to play a part in this as well but like you said the main work will be at the polling units and that's where everything is organized so we're not even in the business of traditional politics we're in the business of community organization the closest thing that i think that comes to it is the house fellowship model where we are building communities at each polling unit mm. well we we're just out of time mm-hmm. uh DD. Okay. yeah we're almost out although uh, we have some questions here uh, i don't know if you can just do one minute um well you've spoken to it actually yeah he, he has, he the, has the, the, traffic so, yeah, the traffic situation and flooding situation and all of that yeah. and flooding uh, you know yeah well f- for me i'm just pretty much um, excited about the fact that um, we we have young people who are trying to well courageous enough to step up uh, at this time and um trying to make a change and it is very important that this election is made to be a uh an issues based election let us let us put to test everyone's um idea it's not just about the concept of you being young but also uh what do you have um up there we've not exhausted all the issues uh maybe some other time we'll we'll, we'll be able to have you in the studio to talk more about several other issues that relates to the city of lagos but i believe today people have been able to hear you and um 
is there we, we hope to have other candidates too let us hear the the ideas uh, yeah. as they come thank you very much it's been a wonderful show thank you thank you so much uh, mr gbadebo rhodes vivo uh governorship candidate of the labor party here in lagos state uh in the 2023 election thank you so much for coming thank you for having me. and that's our show today join us again next thursday is at 4 p.m for a fresh package stay tuned <laughs>